Well, hey, folks, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. I am so excited to bring to you this special episode. It has become an annual Jason Wright Show tradition to have Ryland and Abby Wright on when the girls are home for the holidays. And I am so thrilled to bring them to you today. I hope you will enjoy what is one of my favorite episodes of the entire year. And apparently it's one of yours as well because it always ends up being one of the most downloaded episodes. This is just where Ryland and Abby and I riff on Christmas movies, holiday traditions, and whatever else comes up during the show. Hey, I hope each and every one of you have an incredible Thanksgiving. And I thank you so much for listening to The Jason Wright Show. I am so thankful that you are a part of this journey with me. All right, so enjoy. Have a wonderful, joyful, blessed Thanksgiving, and enjoy this episode with Ryland Abbey Wright of The Jason Wright Show. Thanks for listening. All right, so here we are. Now we're going to get started on The Jason Wright Show with the girls. Hey, girls. Hey. Hey, Dad. Welcome home. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk with those real close to your uh, mouths. Young like lady. this. Oh, that's perfect. Hello, hello. Like oh, yeah, 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 right on there. Yeah, so you have such beautiful voices. I want to hear them loud and clear. And then okay. also, just so those of you watching at home, then that guy over there, that is Carmine. That is Ryland's boyfriend. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just put on your microphone for a minute. So, young man, what are your plans for my daughter? Oh, God. <laughs> Happy um, Thanksgiving. What, what, what are your plans? How do you plan to support my daughter? No pressure. Go. Happy Thanksgiving. Keep her happy. That's a great that's answer. A right answer. That's an okay. amazing answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's uh, that's nice. That's nice. Well done. <laughs> um, and just exactly how do you plan to do that? Uh, make lots of money. No. Okay. Hey, yeah. Okay, that's always nice. That's a support, like a supportful future. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. I like yeah. that answer, but okay. Ron loves that answer. Shh. Flowers. And she I likes flowers. Yes. I do like flowers. Fire flowers. <laughs> I'm a simple things kind of. <laughs> okay, so, and Ryland, congratulations. Since the last time you were on this show, you have graduated from the University of Alabama. Well done, Rotad. Thank you. It was a long time coming, but no, I did it. Actually, it really wasn't that bad. It took you an extra summer. True. Yeah. That's not, it's not bad. So don't beat yourself up. I was, I was, I was okay with that. And, uh, <laughs> and Carmine, you graduate. Uh, probably in the summer also. Probably in the summer. Okay. And you're interviewing in Atlanta. And is that where you guys think you might want to settle? Is, is like you're both thinking, are you going to, you going to follow him there? Is that what's happening? The Jason Rod audience would like to know what your plans are. You know, that's definitely a conversation we're going to have to have. Yeah. I mean, probably one on one. Yeah. That's the question I have for you, Rod, is what are your plans for my daughter? <laughs> my plans for my daughter. Um, as of right now, wherever the wind takes me. That's what I'm going to say for right now. Oh, dear Lord. That's that's real deep. That's real deep. Okay. So, all right. Well, then, I'm glad to have you guys back. So, we've already started the holiday tradition of movies, and the first one was, Abby, would you like to let everybody in on that? Well, which one do you want to count as the first? The one we watched, I guess the first one I watched when I came in town, like we watched together, or the ones that I watched by myself? Oh, well, what have you seen? What have, what have you seen without me? Okay, it's kind of bad. I've already watched several Christmas movies more than once. Um, I've watched Four Christmases about two and a half times. That's a good one. I think that was the first one I watched this season. I've watched Christmas Vacation twice, I think. I have watched Santa Claus 1 and Santa Claus 3. Pull closer. <laughs> Not I've two. I've watched um, Home Alone 1 and 2. Okay. I've, I've really already gotten through a lot of them. Um, but last night, or two nights ago, we watched The Family Stone, which is like our family favorite. And then last night we watched Love Actually, which might be my new just favorite movie of all time. I mean, we've been watching it forever, but I think this year I declared it might be my favorite movie of all time. Interesting. Yeah, so, Rylan, have you started any Christmas movies yet? We actually have. Which we've one? watched all three of the Santa Clauses. I watched Elf the other night. I, I can't remember. I can't remember where. I think you were at work. I watched Elf. Um, we watched both Home Alones. I feel like there was one more. That might be it, so far. So off to a decent start. Carmine, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Polar Express. That's Polar Express. Of course, this is what's weird is you were probably y'all were all little kids when that came out, right? Mm-hmm. How were you girls when it came out? Oh gosh, probably five. I don't know. I, I just remember we did like the Polar Express hot chocolate thing in like preschool. So, yeah. Or maybe like first grade. So yeah, somewhere around that. I can't really Either remember. Four or five, five, it, six. So. 
So yeah, mm-hmm. I guess you're about the same age. So, wow, that's that's crazy. That, that movie is that old. Mm-hmm. It's as old as you guys are. All right, mm-hmm. so so let's just do let's do a ranking. So you know, I have an episode every year with my buddy Matt Wagner, who will be coming on the show, and we discuss our favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to know what the your top three. You can only watch three Christmas movies at all. They're the last three you get to watch. What are your top three? Abby, go. Oh, gosh. Me first. I think I'm going to have to go with Elf comes to mind. It's it's not one of my personal, personal favorites, but Elf is just so encapsulating of the holiday season that I think I have to include that one. Probably maybe Home Alone 2. Ooh. Um, I love that movie. I don't know why. I love Home Alone 1, but Home Alone 2... Gosh, and it's like I'm torn between like a Love Actually where it's sort of like a rom-com Christmas situation or something like Disney's A Christmas Carol. I freaking love that movie. So, yeah, it's a tie between those two. But, yeah, that's four, but those are my favorites. Carmine, do you have a list? I have a top three. Go. Uh, Santa Claus, the first one, Polar Express, and The Grinch. Have you okay? So those are all good, and especially the fact that you throw in a real classic. I like that. So um, did y'all know that Disney Plus has a uh, Santa Claus series that they're starting? I watched the like first two episodes of it. Actually, is it any good? It's a little cheesy, but Scott Calvin's good in it. Like the the original, the original cast is still very good in it. I question some of the new people, but yeah, it's decent. Okay, okay. Well, uh, and hold real quick. So some of the new actors are questionable in the new series, but otherwise pretty... The good news is, so I read this article about uh, about Tim Allen, who, you know, they kind of nixed from Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. the new one, and Disney, who I think owns ABC, they canceled Last Man Standing, which was his show that was really successful, mm-hmm. in a Friday night time slot, which is unusual to have a successful show. And so I was surprised that they actually did that show with Tim Allen again. But uh, and but anything he does, the dude's hilarious. I agree. I really like him. All right. So Rylan, your top three. My top three: um, Christmas Vacation, okay. for sure. Yep. Um, I'm also gonna say Home Alone too. Mm-hmm. Well, that I one. know I want to add Christmas Vacation. I think I'm gonna replace that with Elf. So anyway, continue. Okay. Really. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm gonna agree with Abby though. There's some, like I love the first Home Alone, but the second Home Alone, there's just something about it. The being in New York, I don't know, love it all. Um, the third one, that's hard. Um, I'll say Four Christmases because Ooh, anytime yeah. I watch that, I just die laughing. It's yeah. just that I can never not like that movie. Yeah, favorite favorite scene, funniest scene. Um, personally, I really like whenever they're at the church mm-hmm. and yes. Vince Vaughn's Jesus. Yes. And yes. Mary's just. Woman, shoving. swaddle this baby. Swaddle this baby. Calls her an unfit mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I picked that. I picked up on that line like kind of recently and just, I lost it. I think my favorite scene, of course, it always involves Vince Vaughn, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, going back to last year. So I was like just giving Vince Vaughn way too much love during my Christmas list on my episode with Matt (laughs) Wagner. And he's like, yeah, you totally had a Vince Vaughn man crush going on, which was which was accurate. Him and Ryan Reynolds. But no, that one. Well, I kind of look like him too. I've got my Ryan Reynolds glasses on today. So for those of you watching on the YouTube. Yeah, it's my muse. So the uh, the scene where Graham Graham. Mm-hmm. says what she's going to do. Yeah, that's what she wishes for, is to oh. to give Howard more oral pleasure or whatever. Yes. And Vince Vaughn goes, did she just say that? She, <laughs> yeah. That's that's probably yeah, she, one of one of my... Of I love there. when Graham Graham uh, greets Vince Vaughn, and he goes, oh, Graham Graham, that, that's my belt. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, belt. Yeah, it's thank, attached to me. Thank, thank, you. thank, Merry thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then she goes, I get it. <laughs> it's like, wow. I have a question about a Christmas movie. Have you ever seen... It's, it's like a mix of a comedy and a... Christmas movie, I think, is it called Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds in it? I Okay, it popped up on my recommendation list. I loved that movie. Really? We watched that movie last year. Um, Whenever he started off as like... Real fat. Yeah, real like, fat, yeah. overweight, and then he 
becomes like successful trying to get the girl he had a crush on in high school. I really enjoyed that movie. Really? I highly recommend it. Yep. Jimlin and I started it, but we didn't finish it, I don't think. I, I didn't make it. You know you know what a new one, it's out on the peripheral that just got added this year is Serendipity. Yes. I've never seen that. I don't think. Okay. Well, I had never watched the movie. It's one of your grandmother's favorite movies. She loves that movie. And we, you know, we all go to Serendipity in New York. And so I was like, hmm. I, and also... I didn't know that it was kind of a Christmas movie. And that one's got, it's kind of one of those, it's, you know, there's kind of like the, uh, the off brand Christmas movies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got the, you got the ones that are right there in the wheelhouse, the heart and soul ones, but then there's the off brands that kind of lead you into it, you know, so you got a little runway getting into the holidays. And I definitely put serendipity now in that category. I'm, and I'm glad cause I need those movies that I don't feel bad about watching too early and, mm-hmm. and watching without you guys home, you know, whenever I want you guys to be here for the real, the real deals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it, it's kind of like the category of like, correct me if I'm wrong, like daddy's home. Could you yes. count that as Christmas Absolute, a little bit, but don't absolutely. feel guilty watching it out of season. We, we just, put that one on last night and we were cooking dinner. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, for that reason. Cause it's a good background Christmas, mm-hmm. Christmas movie. Um, okay. So if you guys had to guess my top three, could you do it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Number one, it's a wonderful life. Okay. Number two, a Christmas Carol. Ooh, that. The I think not the not the like original original, but the one right after it. I forget the actor's name in it. Patrick Stewart. Yes. Um three elf. I'm can I give oh, my guesses? Christmas vacation. I'm gonna say it's a wonderful life. Yes. Christmas vacation and a Christmas story with Ralphie. Oh. Yeah, that's and see, this is the thing. I'm glad you guys you guys, y'all, y'all got the list pretty good. I honestly, it's a hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely it's a wonderful life because it's my favorite movie of all time for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's going to be an all, it's going to be alternating between Christmas vacation and a Christmas story with, and definitely, but I could put, it's the TNT version of a mm-hmm. Christmas Carol that you're referring to. And the reason I love that so much because of the year that, I guess it was year you were born, Rylan, mm-hmm. that that came out. And so I'm like, I've always loved it. You know which one we're forgetting about? It's also a complete classic. Let me think. Which one? Scrooged. Oh, yeah. And that's a right family. See, okay, That's see, a great one. See, that's the thing, too. There are certain Christmas movies that only apply to, like, individual families. Abby and I were talking about that. Like, some people, whenever you talk about Christmas Vacation, they're just, like, completely out on it. They mm-hmm. won't have anything to do with it. Yeah, they don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't understand. <laughs> or... Uh, I've heard a few haters on A Christmas Story. Really? Yes. That mm-hmm. is shocking. I know that's just kind of uh, un-American if you ask me. <laughs> and what I'm excited about, and you can't let me forget about this, we need to look this up. Let me check here. Let me check my sources here. Um, the next Christmas Story is coming out. The new yes, one? Yes, the new is one. It, is it already out on HBO? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? It's already yeah. out. With Vince Vaughn, right? Yes. Okay. Then always goes back to Vince Vaughn. Always goes back to Vaughn. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, I was so worried that whenever, and I told Abby this whenever I found out that it was coming out, that I was like, "Oh gosh, this is going to be." If they're going to ruin this, you know, um, that's going to that's going to really suck. But then whenever I found out that Peter Billingsley, who happens to be real life close friends with Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn is one of the producers, I was like, "Okay, this is going to be good." Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. Peter Billingsley's Ralphie, right? Yep. Yeah. I thought. Who was also, who I didn't even realize until I think you told me that he was in, uh, he was in, um, Four Christmases. Four Christmases. Yes. He's the, he's the guy that's the, at the ticket desk. The airline dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I can't wait. All right. So let me ask, let's just, um, here, let's just put the focus on Ryland for a minute. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, let's see here. It's just, 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 just the girls. There we go. All that right. got y'all on the screen. Okay, so this is since I guess what uh, August, October. Mm-hmm. You have your first real job mm-hmm. for the Jason Wright audience. How's it going? Which, by the way, I got to brag on you. So you know, parents out there listening, Rylan Wright is self-sufficient. She has graduated. She is she is providing her own shelter, yeah. her own food. Uh, mm-hmm. So she she's all grown up. So how's it going? It's it's good. It's okay. definitely um, it's a change. Obviously, I think it is for everybody, but it's for the better. Yeah. Like I I really like being, I mean, predominantly independent. Like or 
for the majority independent. Um, definitely, it makes you realize how expensive the real world actually is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a learning process, but my job, it's it's going good so far. I've learned a lot more than I ever thought I could it, about the job one and even about myself a little bit. Um, I do sales. And so it's it's entry-level sales, which if any of you have ever done that, you'll probably know it's you're in the doghouse at first for sure. Um, but you definitely learn to, you know, be okay with being uncomfortable. You learn to deal with rejection pretty well from random people who don't want to talk to you. Um, but it's also very, like, it's very rewarding because I find myself enjoying having good conversations with people I don't even know what they look like. I don't know anything about them. I'm learning about them and their business. Um, that's definitely a fun part of it. It keeps it keeps it entertaining for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Like I, I'm, I'm proud of you because I know it is. It is a beat down whenever <laughs> you're smiling and dialing and smiling you know, and dialing. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's crazy. So, and Goose, you are in your last year at yep. the University of Colorado. So, how's how's it going? And what's the next chapter look like? What's the plan? That's uh, the million dollar question. Um. So yeah, senior year is going great. Um, this is my last semester where I'm like taking like a like I'm taking 15 credits right now. Next semester I'll only be taking nine. Plus I'll still have my job and everything. So it's just gonna be like a big adjustment. I'm used to taking a lot of credits, but yeah, that's that's not the interesting part. But after that, um, planning and grad planning on graduating in May, and my goal is to find a job in New York City. That's kind of the dream right now. Don't know if it'll happen, but I'm really hoping for that. I'm going to use this next semester to just really figure out what it is specifically I want to do. I have so many ideas, um, but I'm really going to just take the extra time that I'll have next semester to figure it out. And yeah, I'm shooting for New York. So that's what's, that's the latest, but we'll see. totally see you in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and just so people know, you want to be a writer. Yes. So my major is communications and my minor is creative writing. I've always liked my dad. I literally cut from the same cloth. Um, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I love to write. I love to write stories. Except you're actually good at it. You know, oh, that's. So, so, so there is a difference. Well, I learned a lot from you. Um, but I love to write stories. I specifically love fiction. That's my favorite, but pretty much I'll write anything. I love words. I like making things sound pretty. That's kind of my thing. So I'm hoping to go into publishing or editing and hopefully I can pair it with a niche of mine. I love food. I love cooking. I love art. And so I'm hoping to kind of combine those passions and maybe find a cool publishing company that produces cookbooks or something like that. But yeah, I'm open-minded. We'll see. Very cool. All right. And Carmine, so what you want to be a financial advisor, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so talk a little bit about that. What is the ideal situation? Because we have a lot of very, and, and by the way, we have a very a lot of very successful people that listen to the Jason Wright show. So uh, you know, you you never know where your next contact might come from, my friend. That's true. Um, I guess my plan is right now is <laughs> hopefully I get this job in Atlanta. It's as a financial planner, not an advisor, but I could always work my way into the advising group later on. So it's just a good starting ground for me, which I'm more excited for on that part. But my plan in the future is hopefully I want to do financial advising for athletes, like professional athletes, like MLB, NHL, uh, NFL, even the MLS for soccer and everything like that. I just want to be in that area just because I'm huge on sports, love sports, love watching sports. And I love money and stocks and everything else in between. So I feel like if I can combine the two and do what I love, then I feel like it'll be more successful in it than just taking care of people that want to retire. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that because I just had a guy on the show yesterday that I interviewed. I haven't aired it yet. A, a guy that's become a good friend of mine, a wildly successful entrepreneur named Doug Pick. And he actually, he was a, he's, he lives out in, on the West Coast, went to USC, and he wanted to be in the music business really bad. And I mean, all the way to where, when he was 13, he was taking pictures for Motley Crue. And Nikki Six would literally come to his house and check out his pictures and pick the ones that he liked. I mean, it was like, it's a really cool story. And he ended up creating one of the largest earplug companies in the country. Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, all of them. And then Amazon Basics, they all ended up carrying Heroes earplugs that Doug, the company that Doug created. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we talked about that, how he, uh, and he, I guess it was uh, Jerry Moss was the guy who was running the uh, CEO of A&M Records that he was, he reached out to interview him while he was in his entrepreneurial program at USC. 
and he went to work for AM Records. And so we talked about how you don't have to, like, you don't have to go be a professional hockey player, baseball player, football player, whatever, to still have, you know, something to do with the industry and how cool it is and how that will drive you to want to do well in an industry just because you're somehow taking this other completely different vocation, but applying it to something that you love and you, and you really uh, get excited about. And that's what he did with the music business. He said that he went to uh, a couple of concerts. I guess he was at a, uh, I think it was at a Motley Crue concert or a Jane's Addiction concert. The drummer of Jane's Addiction, uh, Sam Phillips has been his friend for like 45 years. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so he's at a show and he's, and he's looking around and he goes, wow, there's four guys on stage all of which have earplugs. There's 2,000 people in the audience that don't have earplugs. And he's like, and they would probably like them, you know, just when you want to hear the music, but also you want to kind of silence it or same thing at like these at bars, like at raves, you know, or like whatever, EDM clubs. And so it's a really, I cannot wait to air that episode. It's phenomenal. So, you know, so I think that's smart to like find something that, that you can tag on to another industry to keep you excited. I've got a friend, as, as a matter of fact, one of y'all's friends, Rylan, that uh, same class as you, different school, All Saints, Hannah Waits, loves golf, loves sports. She was always an athlete. I saw her mom yesterday, and, um, and the, you know, Hannah is working as a tour rep uh, oh, essentially wow. for a sports marketing company. Oh, that's awesome. And so she's going to golf tournaments and, you know, getting to do that. You know, so even though she's – and she was always an incredible athlete when you oh, guys that, were growing up, right? Yeah. And so even though she's not playing sports anymore, she's still at least associated with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so while I've got you young adults in the room, um, <laughs> at this point in life, it, you know, I'd like to know, so Rylan, we'll start with you, since you are the, th- of the, are the one of the three, other, you're the only one other than me that's graduated from college. Mm-hmm. If you had to start over, or no, no, let's not do that. I don't do that. Because there's people listening. Maybe they could DM me, you. If you had, I mean, you've got right now probably 50,000 people eventually listening to this, mm-hmm. plus you know, your dad yeah. and all the 50,000 are probably a lot smarter than me. What are, what is something you would love to know about where you go from where you are right now in your career to where you're wanting to go over the next five years? What are like some of the things, or do you have any questions for people that have gone before you that are in an industry that you think might look cool? Just what advice would you like to have? I would like to know, Honestly, how how long does it take to know that you've landed the job of where you're supposed to be, mm. I think? Mm. Because, you know, I'll use my job for an example. Um, it's, it's great. I love the people I work with and stuff like that. But sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, is this meant for me? Like, am I, is this what I'm supposed to be doing type mm. thing? And um, so I wonder how, how many, I guess, trial and error there is to get to that point. I know some people come right out of college and they're like, yes, this is what I want to do. I landed my dream job right away. Then I, I'm, I really think there's a lot of people who are just like me who are like, you know, I wonder what else I could do or where I would, it, can I be happier within a job? And I, I, I wonder if, you know, honestly, yeah. How, like, when do you know? So let me ask you this. What do you love to do that you're absolutely not able to do while doing this job? I would say fully express my creativity. Ah, so so you're not able to be creative, so that's kind of being held back. No, not so much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Very direct. And what does your creativity look like? Um... Some things I like to do. I like to, I love, um, I love photography. Like one of my jobs that I have, like I'll use cravings for, for an example. I love doing that job because I get to, I get to take pictures and edit them and post things, be kind of get my mind flowing of like what I want to say, what can I do to reach more people, stuff like that. Um, I think that's a good job where I get to really express my creativity. And I mean, I guess right now within this job, it's, it's a little bit harder. So let me ask you this. What does your, well, let me, let me ask you another question before I ask you that one. Does your boss know that you have this creative outlet and this desire to unleash it? Yes. And she, ha- knows, she knows I'm a very creative person. She knows what I like, do as my hobbies and stuff like that. Is there a potential for you to be more creative at work one day, eventually, after you go through this step? Within the same company? Yeah. That I'm not sure of. Okay. 
Uh, have you looked for things uh, outside of what you're doing right now that you could potentially parlay this experience within the company that you're that you're in that gives you more? Because it's a huge company, mm-hmm. so obviously there's marketing, there's advertising, there is, and and also strong online presence. Obviously, Definitely. since that's where the company lives, and we're not saying it just because. I don't want to say it because look, you know, I'm, I'm protective of my daughter, and I and I'm, I'm an, as an, I don't want your employer to hear this and have anything wrong with it. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it lives. It's e-commerce. It lives online. It is sales and marketing. Um, because there's a lot of room for creativity. So, have you explored avenues within the company? Um, they've actually gone over a lot of different routes you can take within the company, mm-hmm. but it's. I'm pretty sure it's years down the line. Mm-hmm. You, I, I believe there's a certain amount of time where you have to do this position. Mm-hmm. And then it opens you up to a lot of different opportunities. I believe the most popular one is management. Right. Um, they don't really, they don't really talk a whole lot about if people go into the marketing side or um, I guess like, yeah, what I would want to do is like digital marketing or something like that. They don't really go into that. So I'd, it's definitely something to ask. All right. So are you, since you've got this job, are you still at least flexing that creative muscle every chance that you can and potential and, and looking for ways to monetize it? I actually try to. Okay. Um, I still like to, I like to draw a lot in my free time. Mm-hmm. Um, I created a little Instagram page just to kind of post like my different photography or my artwork, stuff like that. And I have fun with that. Um, I've been doing a lot of people's graduation pictures, which I'm loving. I love doing that. Mm-hmm. And so anytime somebody asks me, hey, like, can you take my graduation pictures? I'm like, yes, please let me. And, um, yeah, so I, I try to the most I can. Sometimes I forget. And I um, I definitely need to work on doing that 100% just to yeah. keep that creative flow going. Yeah, so the creative process and just that, that talent is something that you should always look, all of you should look for in your job. There was a, uh, there's a research researcher and I can't call his name right now. And, and also let me back up a little bit. Creativity is one of the single most difficult things to either train or find in, in workers. Cause you can't quantify it, right? A quant you can, you know, for in the finance industry, if you're running a hedge fund or you're doing private equity, the quants are just really, really good at math and science, right? They're, they have an engineering brain and you can actually qualify that as to how well you're, you're uh, adapted to that type of job. Creativity is one of those things. That it's just really hard to quantify, but it's the one superpower that every company is looking for. Every organization is looking for. Also, the older you get, and this is why it's important for you guys where you are right now in your early twenties, starting your careers, the older you get, the less creative you're going to be. If you don't pay attention, it's, it, it, it happens. And like, for example, the research I was going to, I was referring to at NASA, they wanted to have more creative employees on their engineering staff. And they had no idea how to find, cause these are guys that are STEM guys at the time, you know, men and women who were engineers and they just weren't. And, and some of them were kind of creative, but they didn't know how to qualify to figure out which ones were most creative. And that's what they needed. They knew they needed more creativity. So this researcher, behavioral scientist of some kind, um, he creates a test that could test like, and what he did was he took, I think if I'm not mistaken, he took a jar of M&Ms, put it on a table and he asked all the engineers, give me another use for these M&Ms and this jar. I, I think they've got that right. And so the most creative ones would find all these different things they could do with the M&Ms and the jar. Right. And here's the cool thing. Okay. So, of the scoring that he prepared, which was very simple and very had a lot of utility value, he was able to figure out which ones scored on his, his score the highest in creativity. But here was the amazing thing. He took the exact same test and gave it to a group of children. And I can't remember how young they were, but they were less than teenagers. They were less than eight, uh, under 18 for sure. And probably around, I think if I'm not mistaken, they were like like five to eight years old, really young. They scored on average higher than the NASA engineers on creativity. These kids. And what they discovered whenever they found this out, they're like, well, this is nuts. What they found is the longer you go, the more you get into a lane, the more you start to just kind of get squeezed by society, then you realize that, that your creativity just sort of gets sapped out of you. 
And so I would just say, babe, and I know we talk about this a lot, just keep doing the, the, the art, the drawing, the photography and all those things. And, and I know you are, you're charging for your graduation photos, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Because that's one of the things too, that most entrepreneurs, uh, they don't, a lot of entrepreneurs think that, well, until I can scale up and sell, you know, a million of a thing, I'm not even going to try to sell one of a thing. No, no, get your first sell. That's one of the things that Doug picked that I was mentioning earlier. It's one of the things he did. He took some, uh, ear, some of his earplugs to a, to a bar just to test to see if he could sell one pair of earplugs to, to, to test his theory. And he did. He sold it really quickly. So, you know, it's real important that you at least try to sell something. You don't have to sell a whole bunch of a thing. You don't have to scale immediately, uh, but you do have to sell something. So, okay. So, and I guess there, and just to answer you from my perspective, your dad's perspective, Mm -hmm. I don't think you ever know for sure until all of a sudden you're, you'll know it when it comes and there is no timeline. It, Mm -hmm. It could happen. I will say this. There is a lot more enjoyment once you've mastered something. Mm-hmm. And so right now with you having to make the phone calls, you're going to naturally find whatever it is that you do. You know, Abby, you fit pricing this with writing, you know, whenever you can construct a creative sentence and, you know, really it just, it just feels good. And, you know, Carmine, what you'll figure out is whenever you can really throw a pitch at somebody to make them realize this guy really understands the financial future that we're seeking and he cares about what I'm trying to do. And I think that our plans, he can help me get there. You just, you feel better once you master something. So I would tell you this, if you want to find the quickest way to determine whether or not what you're doing is the right thing and whether or not you're ever going to enjoy it, First and foremost, figure out what it takes to master that job. What is the app? Go find who is the absolute best at the thing that I'm doing. Who are they? And try to do that thing. And that becomes, it's not even a matter of making money. It's not a matter of getting promoted. It's just a matter of mastery and concentration. And then once you've mastered it, if you don't enjoy doing it at that time, because that's when your brain, the cognitive load has come way lower. Our brain loves to do things it's good at. But it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to be getting, it's going to get really good at it and then become a virtuoso at it. Great example, Charlie Parker, who was probably one of the greatest jazz musicians of all time, if not the greatest of, of all time. He was a mentor to John Coltrane. John Coltrane becomes a perfect technical player, right? I mean, he's just amazing. But he, was, but he wasn't getting a lot of notif- notoriety, not like Charlie Parker was. It wasn't until he had mastered his craft and then started putting his signature John Coltrane, you know, sound on it that then he loved it. And he was, and that's why artists, artists, artists are, are, they find a flow state and find pleasure because they are exercising their creativity muscle and they master the basics so that they can then be, you know, virtuosos in some, you know, kind of take it to the next level. So I would just suggest that if this is the job you're in right now, Try to be the absolute best at it. And then once you become the best at it, or as good as you possibly believe you can be, you're hitting all the metrics in your in your quarterly and annual reviews. If you don't like it at that point, then you'll know that you'll probably never like it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, that's just and that's just one one suggestion. All yeah. right. Abigail, what advice would you like from the Jason Wright Show audience or from your dad? So actually to your point, you mentioned how creativity is not something you can like quantify. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sort of run into an issue where I feel like how do I get people to believe that I know like I don't necessarily have like a specific I don't have any specific credentials that make me a good writer. Like I honestly have no idea if I'm a good writer. I think I am based on certain things. But then I get down on myself and, I, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this. You write something, you think it's good, and then you go back and read it a couple days later and you're like, it sounds like a five-year-old wrote it. And it's like, how do I know if I'm good or not or if I'm just dreaming too big? Um, I guess that's an issue I've kind of run into. How do you kind of show that, like, you're good at what you do? Um, another thing that I've run into a lot is, like, and I know, Dad, you can relate to this. Rylan, you can relate to this. We're all creative people. I have so, just this, like, a inherent, like, like a, just a desire to create, um, whatever that means. I love writing. That's just one of my favorites. But I also love cooking. That uh, Food is, like, such a creative outlet for me. And I also love art. I love painting. I wish I, I would do any three of those things full time if I could. Me too. And so, yeah. And so I, I find myself being, like, well, I know... 
I pretty much believe that if I chose one and just dove into it full throttle, full speed, I think I would do really well at it. But then it's like, but what about my other two creative pursuits that I want to do? And then it's like, yeah. And so it's just time is a thing. All three of those things. All three of those things take so much time and that's such a valuable resource that I'm like, I feel like, oh, if I spend too much time, you know, pursuing writing what, and I don't make it, well, am I, it's just so time consuming. It's like, did I do the wrong thing? And so, yeah, just kind of like really honing in on like a focus has been really hard for me and being able to just like, I don't know, I guess. I struggle sometimes with believing in myself and um, hope, like wondering if other people will believe in me. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I think that on that one's a pretty easy one to answer in that if you write for yourself, mm-hmm. write the book that you would read. You're mm-hmm. not, and that's the thing. We're all individuals, right? We're all individual little snowflakes. There's no two alike, but here's the cool thing. We're not so unique that, that the thing that you like, there's not a bunch of other people that like that thing. Always write and create the thing that you like that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And also always remember that there, and, and this is what I, um, I think a lot of people fall victim to, especially creatives. They think that creativity is not of enough value to do just for the sake of creating. And that is absolute bullshit. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely create just to flex that muscle. And, uh, you know, Stephen Pressfield, who his first novel was The Legend of Bagger Vance, okay? One of the most prolific writers now. He teaches on writing. The guy is awesome. Then he wrote um, uh, Gates of Fire, which, you know, was basically 300, uh, what became the movie 300. Incredible author. And he also wrote The War of Art, which is such an incredible book for any creative, which is about fighting the resistance, fighting the self-doubt, fighting the, you know, I'm not making any money at this. It took him 30 years of writing before the legend of bagger bands mm-hmm. you know he just kept on and kept on and kept on and i think first of all write for the joy of it paint for the joy of it take pictures for the joy of it and if you can get paid for it awesome but never stop doing it next thing every successful executive that i've ever worked with they have space on their calendars for creativity leisure, learning, and challenge that has nothing to do with their job. Nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. You have to prioritize the things that absolutely fire you up and drive you in this life. You have to prioritize those things because if you don't, there will always be something that's the quote-unquote real life that will get in the way of that thing that you feel like is just vanity or pleasure or something to that effect. So I think it's always... And then... Don't be afraid of rejection. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the thing, Abby. Eventually, some publisher it's a big part of it for me. Yeah, uh, some publisher or editor is going to go. Yeah, this is pretty good. We're going to. And the cool thing is, most people, more people than not, don't think they're good. Won't even try, as Teddy Roosevelt said. Won't even get into the arena. So if you just keep showing up, just keep showing up every day, showing up. You know, uh, Winston Churchill famously said that. Success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So just keep keep pushing no matter what for the sake of being creative for you, for your brain, for what it does, for the stimulation you get from it. And then all this and then always tell your brain, always tell your brain what you want. Mm-hmm. That's something that you have to do. You have to tell your brain, I want to be a writer. What does that look like? I want to write for a national publication, a, an international publication. I want to do copywriting for a cooking business, for Blue Apron, for Hello Kitchen, what or Hello Fresh rather. I want to do this. I want to. I want to wake up every day. Tell your brain because what will happen is it will activate your reticular activating system, mm-hmm. and your reticular activating system will scan in the subconscious, those things that you're saying that you want. And then when all of a sudden it'll put these dots together, it will pick up on things that you don't even realize and bring them to the fore to your conscious. And then all of a sudden you go, Oh, I can do this to make money doing that. Ah, it's crazy. So always tell your brain what you want to do. I like that. All right, Carmine, you want any advice for the, for the financial folks out there or from the financial folks? Uh, mine as well. Um, so I guess involving financial planning, it's not just being a planner. You have to be an entrepreneur because I have to be able to get my own clients. They're not, you know, you don't get a list. You can't cold call people. You have to know people that you want as clients and everything and reach out to them. And I know I can sell a financial plan. I know I can tell them like, yeah, like I can show you your future. The thing is 
how do I make someone believe that I'm the right person for them? Mm. Instead of just selling a plan, how do you make them believe in you as a person? Mm. Mm. That's a good one. So the thing about your industry, Carmine, is that it's commoditized. You know, you, it's, and this is what I tell you, and ha- having been in a service industry, you know, I mean, that's my first company I ever bought was a real estate firm, right? And I used to always, after I'd been in it for a while, I would actually laugh at when another brand would pop up and talk about how they were going to revolutionize the real estate industry with how they did things. And the bottom line is they weren't. There's, there's, you, I'm not going to sell a house any differently than most anyone else. At the end of the day, it comes down to how you add value and how you connect with that person in a way that they like doing business with you. And I think that's one of the things that if you are going to be in any service business that is commoditized, which like financial services, accounting, real estate. See, here's the thing. You're in, you're in a business, you're going to be going into a business that they can do for themselves. Now they won't, they won't do it well for the most part. Most individual investors don't do well for themselves or you're talking about the professional athlete. I would start looking for how can I solve problems for this person? We shut that door. How can I solve problems for this person beyond their financial well-being, but beyond their financial needs? And here's what I mean, because let's say it's your professional athlete. You're traveling all the time. Your time is always in demand. You want to do nothing but focus on your trade, what you're doing, right? You want to focus on your craft. Um, I would make sure that you remove all worry and concern with their finances. I would also go, and this is something that, that have you have you found people that are doing that for professional athletes? Have you found who? What's the kind of the the prototypical? I mean, I, I'm thinking it's probably former professional athletes that they have a network. It's kind of like a a congressman that becomes a lobbyist. I know here in town, Philip Chick, who played professional baseball, that's what he has now. He's a financial advisor and he's doing very, very well. Um, have you looked to see what the typical guy that's calling on former athletes or current athletes, what their profile is? Uh, no, not yet. I've mostly just been focused on getting my foot in the like industry first before I figure yeah. out if I'm ready to even take that step because yeah. when I'm ready to take a step, I want to create my own firm anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I want to first learn everything about the industry. Okay. Okay. Well, um, that's the thing that I think as you get into it, I, the, on, the only thing that you're going to have that you can scale really, in, in my opinion, in that business is trust. You know, that's one of the things that Seth Godin always talks about is it's like the hardest thing there is to, to scale. Like, you know, trying to create a million more widgets year over year requires scaling and operations, capital expenditure, all this sort of thing in a service industry the only thing that you can really scale is trust. People have to trust you. And so I would figure out all the ways to make that possible within the industry that you're going to serve. That would be, uh, that'd be my advice. And again, if anybody else has anything that you'd like to send in, please, by all means, let me know. So, all right. Um, next question, Rylan, we'll just come back to you. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself? You got it on. Where do you see yourself in, five years where do you want where do you want to be in five years what do you want your life to look like what do i want to be in five years um <clears throat> there's a there's a lot of different things that i could see myself doing i could see myself opening my own photography business i could see myself what i think would be a pretty kick-ass job would be uh, to be a part of the marketing for marketing team for a pro sports team um, whether it's NFL, MLB, anything like that, doing something within sports marketing. I think that has been a dream job for me for a while. Um, what else? Which, by the way, I cannot believe how much, how many sports management jobs there are. You know, I had mm-hmm. um, Mike Boykin, who I try to connect you with. He was on the show it's been over a year ago now, and he said that the the sports management program he graduated from, I think was one of like two in the country at the time. Now they're just every school has some sort of 
sports management program. Mm. It's really nuts. Yeah. I yeah. wish I would have gotten into that program. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I wish that's, if I could go back, I'd definitely do that. Abby, what do you think you want to do? What, what, what would life look like in five years? So that's the thing about me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't need to You don't to have know. to, by the way. You're it's young. very tough. I yeah. know. But, but the thing is with me, I don't like, I don't know specifically what job I'm going to have. I don't really have a clear vision of that other than hopefully like one of the ones that I talked about earlier, but in five years, my goal, I hope to just be, it sounds so cheesy. I hope to be happy, but seriously, I want to be just, I want to know who I am, which I feel like I know who I am, but I want to just be really firm in who I am, firm in what I'm doing, comfortable where I'm at. I don't want to, hopefully I'm not like still kind of like, oh, what's happened? What's next? I hope I'm just sort of settled in a way. I hope I'm in a place that I love. I would love it to be New York City, but um, who knows? I mean, I might move there for a year and a year might be enough. Um, but yeah, I hope I, I hope to be in a place that I love. And I hope so bad that I have sort of, at least in some way, monetized one of my creative pursuits. I hope that hopefully I just that'll be my big job. But I also hope that like I do something for myself, like have my own type of business of some kind that feeds my creativity or I'm able to just like, yeah, hopefully, I mean, reaching really big, maybe I'll have a book published by then. Like that would, that's a very like tangible goal of mine. Um, something like that. I just hope that, or maybe I, I don't know, I've sold a bunch of art. Maybe I have a whole collection of paintings that are on like an online shop, just something like that. I hope really bad in five years I've achieved like one of those things, even if I don't make any money from like that side hustle, I hope I've done something for myself creatively that I've at least tried to make money from it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely just want to be, like financially stable wherever yeah. I am in five years. Yeah. The secret to that is this. Okay. You ready? I'm sorry. Y'all, don't, y'all can't write this down. Here's the secret. Spend less than you make. Okay. There you go. There you go. I know it's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's genius, right? Yeah. <laughs> save early, save often, live off, t- live off 80% of your income, tithe 10 or give away 10. And save the other 10. I have a question for you. Go for it. It's an advice question. What do you think about, like, when should I get a credit card? Or should I get a credit card? I'm scared to get a credit card. Those are, like, those little real-life things that I'm still, like, I haven't figured out quite yet. So here's but. what here's what I did. So your your grandfather had me scared to death of credit cards. That's probably why y'all have kind of that. Dave fear. Ramsey has me scared of. Dave credit Ramsey cards. has me scared yeah. of a lot. That's good. That's good. That's good. You're wise. So I think that you, but you need credit to build. So here's the deal: credit, like anything else, and a credit card, like anything else, it's a tool. That's all it is. And if you'll leverage it to your benefit, then it's good. Now I would suggest right now. Here's the cool thing too. You guys are poor, and it's good. You're supposed to be poor because you're you're in your early 20s. No one expects you to be crushing it right out of school. Nobody cares about your car, your house. Nobody cares. You just you're just finishing school, or you just graduated. So during that time, what I would do right now is start all the saving habits right now. And with when it relates to credit cards, I think you say, okay, I'm going to get one. It's for emergency use only. Because there could be a time when you're traveling, you don't have the cash, you don't have your debit card, or you don't have enough cash in your debit card. Also, do this. If you get a credit card, think it through. It's going to have a low credit limit. You're going to be able to turn it off and on. You know, it's just, and again, it's just a tool. It's just for emergencies. And here's the thing, too. It's not used to, to be able to purchase things you can't afford. In other words, it's not used for the actual credit sake of it. What it's used for is convenience. That's all it's for because you're going to pay off the balance every single time you get it. And the first time that you ever receive a credit card bill, if you get the credit card and you receive the bill and you can't pay it off, you should be scared to death. You should, you, you, that, should be a, that should be a siren going off going, holy crap, I've just done something I shouldn't have done because I can't pay this credit card off. All right? So I would say it's not so much I think get one. Get one pretty early, just leverage it as a tool because there might come a time when you need some credit to buy your buy a car. Now, and here's the thing too, guys, that what what I would just again going back to the age you are right now. Okay, both of you guys have great cars. Okay, you have great cars. So what I would start doing right now is go figure up figure out what it would cost to replace your car or something comparable. 
whatever that, whatever that is, and then start making payments. As the, go, go look, go see. Okay, if I were to go borrow money to buy my car right now, I'd have to come up with 50, 60 grand, whatever that is, okay? And so therefore, and divide that by five, 60 months, okay? Divide that by five years, which is 60 months. And this is, this is what takes huge discipline, but you will, when, if you do it one time, you will never not do it. You start saving, making the payments to yourself. Whenever you get your check, Rylan, you go, well, this month I got to make my car payment. And after 60 months, and then all of a sudden what will happen is you'll watch the cash build up. And then when you're able to go and go car shopping with a checkbook, there's nothing like it where you are able to go. I want that new Tahoe, and they'll go, oh, well, we got great rates, you know. It's no money down. We're like, yeah, yeah, you, you can hold that, Sparky. We don't we don't work that way in my house. Well, I'm just going to cut you a check for this. The finance guy is going to be so pissed because he's not going to sell you an extended warranty. You're not going to finance it through him. He's not going to give you his spit because you're just going to – I'm just going to write a check. Just to buy it? Just to buy it, pay for it outright. And the, the thing – you guys – and this is this this is something I want you to really remember right now because I this was just told to me or I heard somebody say it the other day. You guys are wealthier than I than I am. Do you know that? You guys have the greatest amount. All three of you, you you you're wealthier than I am, and here's why. You've got more time. I can guarantee you right now, all three of you, if you were to go up to Rupert Mur- Murdoch or any other billionaire, any billionaire, and you were to say to them, I will trade you. Well, no, let's reverse it. Any of you, would you trade your age for Rupert Murdoch's billions? No. No. I mean, if he's he's 80-something years old, would you say, oh, sure, get to, get to live out my days as an old fart, but with a billion dollars, or would you stay where you are right now? Stay where I'm at. Yeah, I would definitely rather have time. That's one of the greatest things that you guys can say right now, so leverage it. Take advantage of it. You have time. And if you will just, in small, in save for the things that you want to purchase, and here's another thing. Don't fall for the bullshit that advertisers and American society and everything will try to sell you, which is that no one can ever pay cash for a house. No one can ever pay cash for a car. All these things that we've been trained that you have to finance, you absolutely do not. You have to set some standards and some principles. And again, kind of the credit card. Let's say that you end up and you, you do decide, I'm going to finance this thing. Okay, just be very thoughtful and deliberate about it. And so you can't afford to pay cash for a $300,000 house. Do you have 150 saved up? You know, these people that take advantage of, you know, 5% down or no money down back in those days, you don't have to do that. Set your own rules and your own parameters. And it's like you mentioned Dave Ramsey, you know, live like no one else. And then one day you will live like no one else, right? So that was a, that was a good soapbox to get on. What other questions you, cause now, I mean, Rylan, you're about to have to start really, you know, you got to start worrying about saving for retirement or anything like that. You got any questions with regard to that? Hmm. No, I think you actually answered it whenever you said, definitely remember just to spend less than you, or yeah, spend less than you make. Yeah. yeah. Like you use 80% of your income do something else with the 20%. I think that's really good advice. And here's the thing. Here's the thing you have to realize. If you're making, you know, let's say you make 50K right now. And so I'm sitting here telling you, wait a minute, you're making 50,000. And so I'm only bringing home around $30,000. So dad, you're really telling me that, um, that of my 30,000. So let's, let's do that math. So let's say that, if you're making $30,000 right now times 0.20, it's $6,000 divided by 12. So, yeah, I want to make sure I had that right and didn't embarrass myself on the on the podcast. <laughs> so $500 a month. So you say, Dad, you're telling me that I'm going to need to take 500 bucks a month right now for giving and for saving? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, 250 for each. Yeah, that's, that's how much you need to give. 
you go, I can't afford it right now. I want to wait. Here's what people do. They'll say, I tell you what, when I'm making more money, then I'll start doing it. And the question I always have for people is, do you really think it's going to be easier when the 500 bucks a month becomes 10,000 a month because you're really crushing it just because you're making more money? No, it's always a percentage and it's always relative. And if you'll do it now while the dollars are small, it makes it so much easier when the dollars get big to put it aside. And then another thing is it's, it's gonna, it sounds cliche, but it, with you guys talking about creativity, lean into things like creativity and experiences that you enjoy. And you'll find that most of the crap that people buy it, it's a, it's a, a, Abby and I, we've talked about this. It's a dopamine hit for just a second and it never lasts. There's not one person I can guarantee you right now. And and if you're a listener out there and I'm, and I'm wrong, then you're, you're probably weird. But le, so let me hear you. I guarantee you there's not one person that feels the same after they buy their brand new car. I don't care how nice the car is that they, I bet they don't feel the same on day 80 that they felt day one. In fact, probably by like day 15, the new wears off so fast. And as in fact, research has shown that when it, when it, with regard to dopamine hits, wanting produces more dopamine than getting. Mm-hmm. So all you always remember that if you guys start to think to yourselves, I want this thing so badly. And you all of a sudden start kind of feeling excited about it and you start shopping for it and you want to go out and get it. Just know, just know this. It's never going to get as good as it is right then. It's like Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Christmas Day, we love Christmas Day. Christmas Day is awesome. But Christmas Day, that's when it's supposed to be the best, right? Because you've got everything. You've got the gifts. You've got the golden goose that you wanted. You've got the, you know, whatever the case, whatever the gift of the year is, your off-white sneakers or whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got that stuff. So it's supposed to be awesome. But it's really not. The be- if, you're, if you'll watch, the best moment, the biggest dopamine rush is when you're sitting there holding the box, right? Mm-hmm. It's downhill from there. And here's another thing. If you think back over your, the course of your life, you guys are young, and I can tell you as an old fart now, and when you look back over the course of your life, if, you've, if, things, if, if somebody asks you the question, what are the things throughout the course of your life that you remember that made you really, really happy? Well, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do an experiment. Carmine. Looking over the course of your life, if you had to just stop for a moment and think of something that brought you really great joy, that you just look back on it and you go, that was amazing, what would it be? Um, I mean, I have a couple of things, but I guess regarding, I could go back to high school when I competed in DECA, which is where I fell in love with like finance and marketing. Mm-hmm. When we would go to the international competitions, I was competing against people from Germany, Italy, China, Canada, and everything. I think that was like a really great moment because I was competing in a business realm against other people my age that are all from different areas and cultures. And yeah, that's really cool. Abby, what would yours be? I'm gonna sound lame, but pretty much any time I'm really sucked into a book, mm. I just that feeling immediately comes to mind. Um, yeah, if I just I love the feeling of like being in the middle of a book and knowing like, oh, when can I when am I going to have like an hour to sit down and read it? I just I need to know what happens. That just gets me so ex- freaking excited. And then it's funny because then after I finish the book, it, it does kind of suck. It's not as fun. It's really satisfying. You're like, oh, yeah, done. But then I'm like, man, like the butterflies kind of go away. But then that's the beauty of reading. And then I go find another book that produces that same effect. Yeah, yeah books really give me joy if I really like them. What about you, Ra? Mine might also sound lame, but it's so true. High school sports, mm. volleyball games, my winning state in soccer, I would go back to that in moment anytime. Or the first Alabama football game that I ever went to. Mm-hmm. Or the SEC Championship 2020 against Florida. Mm-hmm. We nice. won. Nice. So, well, this is great. I'm glad I did this experiment because did you notice that not one of you said, oh, Dad, it was the time – that you bought me that thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was never, it wasn't a thing. It was all experiences. And here's the thing too, that's also unique. It's kind of, y'all are making me look good right now on the Jason Wright show. I promise folks we didn't (laughs) focus on this. 
every single one of you listed something that required at least some amount of struggle. Getting through a book, you can't quickly do that. You just, you can't. Mm -hmm. You have to put in the time. Competition and finance, you have to put in the time. and It's a competition. Sports, you have to put in the time, the hard, the ups, the downs. And, and again, the, the going to the games, well, even that, that's exper experiential, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what all research shows is that almost every single human being on earth, whenever they're questioned about the things that they enjoyed most in life, there's some form of struggle, pain almost. There's something. That anticipation. Was anticipation. It's, you, know, you know what mine is? That the one that always leaves to mind is whenever I won my city council race. Mm. Yeah. And, and it was because of the hard work and everything, just that thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to happen? I don't really, you know, I'm not even in politics anymore, but it was a competition that was just, I was, that it was fierce, you know? Um, and so that's what I tell you guys. Always remember that whenever you think you're, and, and here's the thing too. What'll be cool is when you're saving up for something that you really, really want, when you start to get your financial house in order and you decide what you want that financial house to look like, which means that you're free. Debt-free is the best, right? No debt equals freedom, okay? Once you start saving up, and let's say you stroke the check, especially for the car, a depreciating asset that's really just a, it's a really finely shaped piece of metal and gadgets and plastic and whatever. I mean, and they are beautiful and, you know, some of them. But once you do it, I guarantee you what will happen is, you won't look back on it 10 years after you've purchased it as, oh, my God, I love this car. It is amazing. You'll enjoy the saving up, the working, and all, and then the day that you're able to walk in with that cashier's check. You know, that's mm -hmm. what you will enjoy. So always remember when you, when you think that you're about to make a, um, a purchase, or especially if you're about to go into debt for it, that it's, that is, it's fleeting, it's really experiences and what experience. And then also, I know you guys learn this in economics, but always apply the opportunity costs. Mm -hmm. Always think to yourself, if I do this thing, what unlimited of other things am I saying no to? If, by, if I say yes to this purchase, what are all the other experiences, purchases, you name it, that I'm saying no to? And if it rises up and says, yeah, I'm willing to say no to everything else for this one thing. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. That that will happen. Yeah, that's, you've made the right choice. That's how you've made the yeah exactly. But a lot of people just willy nilly they never stop to think about. Wait a minute, what am I saying no to by saying yes to this? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, all right. Well, I guess we can uh, we wrap up. We've been riffing for about an hour. So, uh, mm -hmm. Abigail, what's on the menu for tomorrow? Oh, okay. Um, well, we always do our Greenberg smoked turkey, which yeah. has nothing to do with me. I didn't, yeah. But um, mashed potatoes. I'm thinking, or I was actually thinking roasted potatoes and then mashed sweet potatoes. I know Ryland loves mashed mm. potatoes, but I, I make I like mashed sweet potatoes. Crazy mashed sweet potatoes. Just wait. Um, I'm sweet potatoes tomorrow. Homemade green bean casserole. Mm. My homemade steakhouse style mac and cheese. Mm. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Pau de Quijo, which are just oh, yes. Brazilian cheese rolls just that I discovered at Fogo de Chao forever ago. And I've been making them for Thanksgiving ever since I fell in love with them. I think they're better than like dinner rolls and um, maybe a salad. And I think that's it. And then, oh, homemade pumpkin pie. Boom. Yeah. I feel like I should try and, so try and make something yeah. to bring. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have Let stuffing? What do we have stuffing? Of course. Yes, we have stuffing yes. that. What's, what's something grandma. that I could throw in there that you think I could you make? You can help me make the mac and cheese or the green, anything. You can help me make anything. Or if you want to contribute something for your, you can make deviled eggs. I know you, don't you like this? Uh, yeah. I don't like deviled eggs, but that's even, easy. They're, and, they're fine. Okay. Maybe I'll make a dessert. Well, ponder it. Let <laughs> me know. I'm going to contribute. Yeah. Carmine, do you have any uh, any suggestions, any requests now that we're here at the last minute? Folks, just I'm going to air this, I think, probably tomorrow during Thanksgiving, So, if not tonight. So do you have any requests? No, just thank you for having me and yeah. giving me a good mm -hmm. meal. That was nice. Yeah. That was sweet. Yeah, well, yeah, well done. Ass kiss. <laughs> kiss ass. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sort ass kiss. Yeah, ass kiss. Yeah, I can't even say it right. I wasn't serious. <laughs> I was just kidding, sort of.
Um, <laughs> all right. Well, with that, anything else y'all want to discuss? No. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy thanks. Yeah, this is fun. All right. Let me get you on here. Carmine, do you have uh, you have anything before we wrap this up? No, I'm all good. All right. All right. Well, glad you're here. Girls, I love you. Love you. Love you. Very thankful for you. Abby, I'm so glad to know that you're finding your art. Oh, thank you. I nearly, I nearly busted that out whenever you were talking <laughs> earlier. That's, really? Yeah. Sometimes we're going to we're gonna have to come on here and not be so serious and like share something. We're really a lot less poised in real life, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Our, our conversations <laughs> get a little crazier off screen. Yeah. But do you... Uh, <laughs> Do you want to sing for everybody our very own Christmas carol that oh we wrote gosh. when y'all were little girls? Johnny's maybe maybe we Christmas. save that for Christmas. Save it for around Christmas time. Sing, sing your part. Just I'll do it with you. Come on. you Come on. I'm your father. Do as you're told. <laughs> One, two, three. Reindeer, 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 reindeer. John is coming home for Christmas with a reindeer in his pocket. Is this embarrassing you, Riley? John is coming home for Christmas with his mama's picture in a locket. Johnny's coming home for Christmas. Everything is gonna be all right. All right, that's right. That's it. I won't make any. I won't make y'all do that anymore. I won't make the listeners. I didn't mind. <laughs> Good. <Not having> it. <laughs> all right, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining the girls and I and Carmine. Happy Thanksgiving. We love y'all. I am out. Bye. Bye.